have a seat, everybody. I am so glad you guys are here. Man, and I, and I mean that. Thank you guys for being here on Daylight Savings Time. I know it just, I, I'm hoping that <laughs> they, they change that because it's just so complicated, right? And so, um, but we're here at like 10 o'clock. I'm like, where is everyone? And I think everyone's like, oh no, it is 10 and getting out the door. And so I am so thankful that we get to come here on this beautiful Sunday morning and worship. Welcome. My name is Andy. My wife Kate and I, we co-lead Fireside, and it has been uh, such a blessing. We're a little over four years old, and um, God has continued to sustain us through uh, a pandemic, massive grief, um, just uh, everything that's going on in the culture, and here we are, and God is doing a work. Uh, but I want to um, finish our prayer series. So if you have been tracking with us, maybe you did the prayer session, um, we've been learning about prayer, how to pray, why to pray, um, and we've been taking a deep dive into it. And if you are looking for another session, we just started a uh, Who is Jesus? And Tuesday morning, a bunch of guys are getting together at 6.15 at Panera. All are welcome. All guys are welcome. And then Tuesday night, we're getting together in Amesbury at Catch Fire. And that's co-ed. And it's, you can bring a spouse. You can come single. It's, it's all good. And if you miss Tuesday morning, if you're a guy, you can come Tuesday night. And we're just really looking at who is Jesus. And the, the hope, this is my hope, is that when Easter comes, we will, you know, we will celebrate the resurrected Messiah. And we will have a full understanding of that he was human. He was God. He was the priest. And he's the king of kings kings, and we will just be like, Lord, you are amazing. Hallelujah. That is the hope. So jump in at any point. Uh, but today we are going to dive into Mark 9. So if you got your Bibles or you got your phones, uh, Mark 9 and beginning in verse 14. Mark 9, I think we're going to put it up here as well. And this is where we're going to land the plane. And because as much as prayer is moving us towards God, there is also a force that is trying to prevent us from being with God. And we have to acknowledge that. That God wants us to be close to him and the enemy wants us to be as far away from him as possible. And so we're going to dive into this. And it's not supposed to be a message that is discouraging but encouraging. And I believe it will be. Mark 9 verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, and he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has this been like? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. 
Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help, my over, help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Lord, we receive this message, Jesus, for some of us who are feeling that we are in a battle zone right now, that we are getting tossed and turned like this boy, that we are being overcome by the enemy, Lord. We come to you knowing that you can do all things. Lord, so help us with our unbelief. And Jesus, we come to you in prayer, knowing that the thing that is um, clouding us, the thing that has overtaken us, may be only destroyed by prayer. In your name we pray, amen. So if you look up here, I have a, a bunch of sea glass here. The story goes that uh, about five years ago, uh, me and my family were at the Beach Plum in Northampton, and we were walking around after we got our ice cream, and Ellie picks up a r small piece of sea glass. And it was the orange kind, because, you know, you got the brown kind that is probably like a Bud Light bottle, and you got the green Heineken bottles, and they're all like, yeah, but the really good ones are like the light blue ones, and the green ones are, are good. But the more weathered, the more they've been beaten by the sea, the better. And so Ellie was like so ecstatic. She's like, Dad, 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 I found a piece of sea glass. I found a piece of sea glass. And so I grew up at Hampton Beach. So I am very familiar with the ocean, and occasionally I would find sea glass, but it was on the rarity, not on the everyday, and you'd, you'd just step on it, playing a sport, or just by accident, you pick it up. And so when Ellie was excited about finding sea glass, we thought, well, what if we could find some more? Now we were looking for pieces of sea glass, and all of a sudden, they seemed to be everywhere. We were picking them up left and right. We knew where to look. It was right where the, the water comes up, where the rocks are in the in-between. And we started picking them up. And so this is, just, this is not even all of it. We have jars and jars of it at home uh, to the point where uh, Kate's mom is like, I've never found a piece of sea glass. And we got it every. And my favorite one, I think, is this like, bottle one that's like blue, green. And, and, and I believe that this is very similar to watching God move in our lives. So many times, there will be times where we'll see answered prayers that will be so obvious, like when I was a kid and find sea glass, that you just know, like, oh, there's no doubt that this is God. But when you start to pray, you start to asking God to move, and then you start looking for him to move in your life. And all of a sudden, what was unseen becomes seen, and my hope has become plentiful. A couple of weeks ago, we did the 40-day challenge, and I asked all of you guys to write one prayer, circle it as if you're surrounding it in prayer, and from that time to Easter, would you pray daily for it? And I've been hearing stories about people talking to me, I'm like, hey, this is what I prayed for, this is what God's doing. Before, they're like, I don't know if God's doing this or not, if this is God. I'm like, yes, it is God. You asked, he answered, what you asked for is happening. Now, it doesn't matter how it happened, the fact that it's happening is of the Lord. 
And now you're seeing the sea glass. My buddy, he was going to propose to his girlfriend. And his idea was to go to the beach, and he was going to find uh, blue sea glass that he ordered online. He ordered a big bag of blue sea glass because his girlfriend was from uh, the Midwest, uh, the, the um, Mid-Atlantic, and her favorite sea glass was blue purple, that blue, like dark blue, because it's rare, right? And so he ordered a bag of it online. It came, and his roommate was going to go ahead of them on the beach, and he was going to start sprinkling it on the beach, and then his buddy and his girlfriend were going to come. They're, she's going to find, oh, look at all this blue sea glass. This is such an amazing day. And he's going to propose, like, are you kidding me? You propose on just such a crazy day. I found blue sea glass. And it's going to be epic. So the scene is set. And so his roommate goes, and he sprinkles all the blue sea glass. And at the end of it, he gets a text. He's like, hey, you ready? I'm, I'm in position. We're coming down. And he looks behind him, and there's this old lady picking up all the sea glass. And he, he starts to panic. She didn't see him dropping it, and she thinks this is her lucky day. He's like, oh, are you kidding me? And so he's got to run over. He's like, ma'am, you don't understand. This is like a special thing. And so she's like, I'm so sorry. And so they just start throwing it everywhere. Long story long, my buddy and his girlfriend come. She finds a sea glass. They propose. And now two kids later, they're living great. But I say that story because as, we, as God is showing us something, there is an enemy who's trying to hide it from us. That there's an active force that's trying to undo or block us from seeing what God's doing. Yes, the enemy has been defeated, but, it, but the enemy has not yet been destroyed. Jesus says a thief comes in the night to come to steal and destroy this is what the enemy is doing. And as we look and as we pray for God to move, there is a counterforce that's trying to stop and hide us from seeing God's movements. Paul addresses this spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, 10 and says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's, devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are not battling flesh and blood. We are battling Satan, who is defined as the deceiver, who is trying to trick you, deceive you, and will do everything for you not to follow Jesus. I don't know if any of you guys have Apple Plus, but there was a movie that came out called The Greatest Beer Run. And there's this group of guys are in Vietnam, and they go to serve in Vietnam. One guy stays back. His name was Cheeky, and he wanted to help his buddies. So he said, you know, I have an idea. I'm going to go deliver beer to them. So he packs up his backpack, flies to Vietnam with all his beer, and he starts looking for his buddies. And they're like, Cheeky, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm going to give you a beer. <laughs> so there's one scene where one of his buddies is on the front lines. And it's just a war zone. And he's seeing like, you know, people um, in the medic tent. It's just a war zone. And he finds his buddy on the front lines. And he's like, hey, I'm here to give you a beer. And he's like, Cheeky, what are you doing here? This is an active war zone. You are not prepared to be here. You don't have a helmet. You don't have a weapon. You got to get out of here. 
I believe that many of us feel just like that. That we have entered a war zone for your soul and you are not equipped to battle against the enemy. Or think you are equipped. See, Paul goes on and he says, this is how you shall be equipped. In verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if the day, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. When I read this, I feel like it's getting me pumped up to enter the war zone. I don't know if you, any of you guys played sports, but growing up, you know, we would uh, have the warm-up music blaring before we would enter a game. It would usually be like BC Boys or ACDC, and we would just get so pumped up. And as we're getting our shoes on, we're putting our bands on, our uniforms up, as we're just getting pumped up, ready to go out into battle, ready to go out to the game. We just played a big tournament. I coached my daughter's game. And we went to the IC for this big tournament. The crowd is going on, and they had music. They were playing the Rocky theme. And I'm like, girls, isn't this pumping you up? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, kind of. You know. But I go back to, like, the Chicago Bulls. Remember Jordan days where they had, like, the, you know, the Chicago Bull? And it's like, do-do-do. You know, any 90s fans here, you know what I'm talking about? You know, and you'd be like, yeah, this is awesome. I feel like this when I read Ephesians 6. Are you ready to go to war? Here, put on all this. Get ready. Get pumped up. And the reason why it's encouraging is because if we are equipped, there is nothing the enemy can do to take us away from Jesus. Paul says, be alert and always keep on praying. Make no mistake, the enemy will do anything to take you away from Jesus. He will use success and he will use failure. He will use poverty and he will use wealth. He will use happiness and he will use sadness. I think so much of when we think about the enemy, we think, well, he just wants me to feel bad. He's like, no, he doesn't care if you feel good or bad. What he cares is if you are far away from Jesus. And he's trying to hide Jesus from you and deceive you. And he's trying to steal those moments where you see God working in your life. So when you get a new job that pays a ton of money, you can say, glory be to God, and that could be true. But you could also be like, is this the enemy at work? I'm not trying to say which is which. What Paul is saying is be alert. (laughs) Be alert. Always keep on praying. I think we equate good things, good God, bad things, bad devil. That's just not true. Just as the enemy will do anything to take you away from Jesus, Jesus will do anything to bring you close to him. He'll bring you success. He'll bring you failure. He'll bring you happiness. He'll bring you sadness. He'll bring you wealth. and He'll bring you poverty. He does the same thing. 
So if you lose a job, you're like, oh, that's the Satan. Well, maybe it was God. Who knows? I'm not saying I know which. And that's why we got to be on our toes and we got to be alert and always keep on praying. How many of your unanswered prayers have been a work of God that you didn't realize until later? Or how many of your answered prayers have actually worked out bad and you realize that I'm worse off than before and maybe it wasn't God? You get the point. The enemy, the deceiver, will do whatever it takes. Hebrews 12, 16 says this, and, and this is the Eugene Peterson, the message. He paraphrases it by saying this. Watch out for Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. I I read this two mornings ago, and I was like, I had to read it again. I'm like, that is like piercing my soul. (laughs) Watch out for Esau. So the story goes, Esau and Jacob, they were twins. Esau came out first. Jacob's grabbing on his heel, right? The firstborn gets the blessing, the inheritance. They, they, they get the whole thing, pretty much. And so one day Esau's out hunting, and he's tired, and he's exhausted. And he comes in, and Jacob's got this nice, yummy stew. He said, give me some of that stew. So Jacob's like, oh, this is a good opportunity. He said, trade me your firstborn blessing, and I'll give you some stew. And Esau, as he was desperate, sure, and traded him. And then Jacob became the one where God's people came from. We do the same thing. Oh, this looks good. We look for immediate gratification. And so God, what the author of Hebrews is saying is watch out. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. We desire short-term gratification where God wants us to have long-term fulfillment. And could we live with that? And Jesus also did battle when he was here on earth. If you're in the session, we talked about Jesus being son of man, being fully human. So he was tired. He was hungry. He was um, uh, tempted. But yet he withdrew. He, he did not give in. And so we see this. Forty days, he goes out into the wilderness. He didn't eat. And Satan comes. And Satan says, hey, I'll give you power. And he says, this kingdom, I'll give you. Because Satan does have power, right? I'll give you power. Short-term gratification. And Jesus said, no. I'll give you food. You're hungry. The Esau syndrome. No. Why don't you say, jump off this cliff and fly and see God saves you. I'm not going to test the Lord. And then it says the angels came and attended him. See, Jesus used the full armor of God against the enemy. Make no mistake, though. Make no mistake. God is more powerful than the enemy. We need to understand this and we need to internalize this. God is more powerful than the enemy. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I think so many of us just feel powerless. We feel beaten up. We feel like we're being destroyed. You're looking to see God move and the enemy is blinding you from that. And this is where I believe prayer can help us. 
If you go to 2 Kings, you'll see a story of a man named Elisha. Elisha was a prophet. He spoke for God, for God's people, the Israelites, and they were being uh, at war with the Syrians. And he predicted every single move the Syrians were going to do. So the Syrians get really upset with this, and they say, let's go find that man of God. They found him, and they circled the city, the village that he was in. This is where we pick up in 6, 15, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. He says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asks. Let's stop there. Have you ever felt like that? If you just looked at your life and you said, I feel surrounded right now by the enemy. I feel outnumbered. I feel like I can't do anything. And your reaction could be to submit. But here's what Elisha says. Elisha says this, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are, that, are more than those who are with them. At this point, I feel like the servant is looking at Elijah, who's old, and being, you're just a crazy old man. You're going senile. And so Elijah prayed this. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire, God's army, all around Elisha. When we close our eyes in prayer, God opens our eyes. We close our eyes for God to open our eyes. And we come to prayer saying, Lord, I feel outnumbered. I just need you to open my eyes to see that you are uh, in this, that see that you are bigger than this. We who have the spirit in us don't have to fear. A story of an evangelist named Smith Wigglesworth in England. He spent 36 hours one day, or a day and a half, continuously preaching and praying in one meeting. As the story goes, because of this, he was physically exhausted, and he sent everyone home for a few hours so he could get some sleep. He went to bed, and he fell asleep quickly. Approximately 30 minutes after he had fallen into a very deep sleep, he was awakened by the sensation of someone shaking his bed. He opened his eyes, and he saw an evil spirit that had manifested itself seating on the foot of his bed. After he cleared his eyes, it is reported that he said, Oh, it's only you. And he went back to bed. Could we have that spirit? Could we be like that? And though you may not see the enemy manifest itself in your room, you see it on a daily basis. And so when you are attacked, could you just say, oh, it's only you trying to deceive me. And as the father said, Lord, help my unbelief, could we say that same prayer? And even though we go through hardships, that doesn't mean the enemy is winning. I need you to understand that, that even though you're going through hardships, that doesn't mean the enemy is winning. Have you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? We talked about this in our session this week. The opening scene is D-Day. It's when the allies go from playing defense to offense, and they storm the beaches of Normandy. 
and thousands upon thousands of soldiers. And that opening scene, actually, Kay won't even watch it because it's too bloody. And the sea turns red because of all the blood. And there's bodies everywhere. And I don't want to get into details. You know what I'm talking about. And Peter Gregg, who wrote How to Pray, he says this. Isn't it interesting that when we're watching that scene, we're watching a battle being won, not lost. Because D-Day was won by the Allies. And there was much loss. But there was victory. And isn't it interesting that Jesus' victory was obtained by suffering, not the absence of it. That the ultimate way of him being propelled onto the throne was through the cross. So as we go through the world broken and beaten up, and we feel like that scene in Private Ryan, right? We're getting shot at. We're, we're seeing loved ones fall. And we're just so desperate. Remember, God is bigger and God is the victor. Could we remember that? And could we look at the cross as a sign of victory, not a sign of defeat? Jesus, before he gets arrested... And John 17 says this, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, talking to his people. But that's what we pray, right? To be honest, he knows us. And he said, we are saying, God, get me out of this world or get me out of this situation. This is our big prayer. He says, my prayer is not to take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. What are you battling right now that you feel that it's not coming out by no means that you've tried everything you've done everything and maybe Jesus is saying this kind can only come out by prayer we're going to have communion here and for those of you who are going to help pray and pass out would you come on up and we're going to spend a little bit of time contemplating this. And, and what I really want us to do is to recognize that our best, I believe our best weapon against the enemy is prayer. So we're going to do just that. So we're going to have some music playing and we're going to, as you feel led, come up and there's going to be communion here and you're going to take the blood, you're going to take the body and I want you to take it as a symbolism as victory, not defeat. And I want you to spend some time asking yourself this question. God, would you be bigger than the battles I'm facing right now? And would you pray and I believe that you've tried everything in your power to get you out of the battles that you're facing. And I'm not saying that we are exempt from doing anything, but a lot of times, most of the time, that's not the whole thing, that we need God to intervene. We need God to come, and we need to God, we need to pray to him to enter our situation. So if you've identified that battle, would you pray with us? Would you pray with some of us up here? Would you pray with us? I need help. I'm going to pray. I'm going to put the battle at the throne of Jesus. I'm going to give it to him, and I'm going to keep my eyes and be alert and watch for the sea glass in the coming days, minutes, hours, weeks, whoever knows how long. 
So come, get your communion. You can go back. And you can go back in your seats and you can do the same thing. And you can pray, Lord, Lord, I'm on my knees. I'm on my battle cry, Lord. Would you be bigger than the battle I'm facing? Lord, would you intervene? Would you give me the strength? Would you show and reveal yourself? So let me pray as we enter into this time. Lord, I, I thank you for the cross, Jesus. The cross is a sign of victory, not defeat, Lord. And Lord, as we take these elements, Lord, would it give us encouragement, God, that you have destroyed, you have defeated, but yet not destroyed the enemy. But there is a day, Lord, there is a day when you're coming back and the enemy will be destroyed once and for all. And until that day, Lord, would you protect us from being destroyed with them? Would you reveal yourself? Lord, there are people in this room right now that are in battles that are feeling like they are being beaten up. God, I just pray, Lord, that they would come to understand how big you are, Lord, that you are bigger. Lord, that you have won. You have won, Jesus. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So take some time, and when you're ready.